Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we have some seasons to recap, and you had the, the brilliant idea to bring on some of our friends to talk about them. You, uh, you excited to get this series started? I wouldn't call myself brilliant, but it was an idea. <laughs> it was a great idea. I, you know, I'm enjoying it so far. Okay, um, good, oh, good. Excellent. That's, that's all I can hope for, really. Mike, there's only one place we could re, uh, realistically start, and uh, you know who we got to go to first here. Cameron J. Underwood, the 12th. That's right. Esquire, junior. Um, Senior. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically what we're going to do here moving forward over the next couple of weeks is, is we're going to bring in some friends and talk to them about how some teams did in this season. And I say some teams because I don't think the intent really is to hit on every single team. Um, there, there are some teams that it's, there's only really so much to talk about. And so, you know, maybe we hit on a few of these more quickly than others, but Miami is a team that had a very interesting season in a lot of ways, and so we're going to kind of deep dive them here with Cam. Uh, we just had a conversation with him. I thought it was a great conversation, a lot of cool things to talk through with, yep. you know, changes on the coaching staff and, you know, where do they go at quarterback and defensively, you know, how, how does that all, you know, change or stay the same, you know, with some adjustments that have been made on the coaching staff there. So a lot of things we got into here with Cam I thought it was a really fun conversation. We had a lot of, a lot of uh, very informative stuff we got out of him. And if you've ever had aspirations to run for about, I don't know, a metric mile against a Division One FBS <laughs> ACC defense, Miami's the team for you? I uh, actually calculated it while we were talking. It came out to uh, over, or, or we'll say it came out to nearly a third of a mile of rushing yards that UNC piled up in that game. Yeah. So, and Cam wasn't too happy about that, by the way. Yeah. And so naturally, you made sure to bring it up first thing when we start talking to him. So you'll hear That's that. That's right. I mean, <laughs> got to start somewhere. Absolutely. No better May place as well to start. just start firing away and taking shots early on. Cam's <laughs> always receptive. So no time like the present. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> All right, Mike. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into that conversation we had. Here is our conversation with Mr. Cam Underwood. Take a listen. All right, Mike, we now welcome on our recurring favorite guest to the show. I say that mostly because he's on the call here, but welcome back to the show, Mr. Cameron J. Underwood, Esquire. Cam, how are you, man? Wow, the full government name. Sheesh, I feel like I'm in trouble or getting called to the principal's office or something, but uh, <laughs> but I'm good. I'm good, man. Uh, middle name's James, for anybody who's wondering, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, good to be here. Good to be back on the microphone and everything. Good to talk to you guys. You know, we're going to do some more... Uh, trip planning and event stuff uh after the podcast sorry you guys won't be a party to that uh those Speak conversations. for yourself <laughs> i mean you got, yeah you know we're gonna have some fun so you know get to talk a little miami hurricanes football i might try to lob in a uh brian van gorder memorial you tried award for our team <laughs> uh this year because we had a couple of those uh but yeah you know, it'll be a good time 
Yeah, on the topic of the You Tried Award camp, has anybody tackled a member of the North Carolina offense yet from Miami's defense? Or? <laughs> Let me check my watch, which I'm not wearing. Um, but I do have a scar on my wrist down from a mole, and it tells me that no, the time is still not a tackling time for Miami against North Carolina, which uh, is unfortunate for us. Um, that was both uh, – it, it won two – ignominious uh state of the U awards uh it was both the worst game of the year and the worst play of the year and actually among our contributors it ended up being a tie voting situation between the one specific run up that left sideline you you know the one I'm talking about I think and so, then yeah. I also put I also put in the voting option of and, and I, I believe the way I phrased it in the uh in the ballot was generally waves at any running play in that game <laughs> and i think those two things tied uh for the the s uh, the state of the year award for worst play so it was uh that was not good you know 778 yards the most rushing yards ever allowed in a game um right. it was 400 something in that game and 778 total yards which is the most yards ever allowed by a Miami hurricanes defense um again not good and when you're talking about previously having had Mark D'Onofrio as your defensive coordinator, giving up five and 600 yards a week, and then you surpass that in a negative kind of way, yeah, not necessarily good. So no, unfortunately, we have not tackled anybody wearing Carolina blue, uh, the Carolina blue breeches with the white tops, uh, but hopefully sometime soon, like the next time we play, we change that. Well, we had talked to you like a couple weeks before that, right? Like we had this midseason check-in with you and yeah. we were talking about Miami's defense. We were actually talking about the whole team saying, you know what, Miami's playing some decent football right now. But Cam, you alluded to it. You were like, all right, the luck's going to run out at some point if they'll tighten some things up. And after that North Carolina performance, like I know Blake Baker technically gets to keep his job, but there was no way he was actually going to be the defensive court, the true defensive coordinator moving forward after that game. Right. I mean, I, I know Manny Diaz is going to be calling the plays next year now defensively and Blake Baker's still on the staff, obviously in that defensive coordinator role, but things were going to be shaken up after that game. Right. I feel like the, the clock was ticking there a bit. And Joey and I talked about that a good bit here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wrote it after the game. That was absolutely fireable. Like, there's no way you can abide by that. Like I said, it was a, a record-setting worst performance from the Miami Hurricanes defense. Um, you just you can't keep your job after that. And things had been trending better. Uh, if you, I, well, <clears throat> the week before against Duke, and I know that Duke is one of the worst was one of the worst teams in captivity this year. But you miss zero tackles, like literally zero tackles. You're flying around with the ball on defense. You're everywhere. You shut them out as well. You should if you have a team like Miami and a team like Duke. But it looked very different. And then you come in in Carolina, you know, and Carolina players and coaches said, oh, yeah, we looked at it and Miami's running a high school defensive scheme. And we figured out if we're going to run these two offensive run schemes, we're just going to bash them over the head with it until they stop it. And we didn't ever. Um, and you know, that was just when you have, and I said this with, a you know, our, your good friend of mine, Mark Rogers, when I did a stream with him this week, there were two teams on the schedule who were three who were of comparable talent. You had the bowl game against Oklahoma state, you had North Carolina, and then you had Clemson who was more, uh, more talented, but I mean, within reason, 
Carolina and Oklahoma State are around the same kind of talent. I would say Miami has more talent than Oklahoma State, but you have key guys at key positions and that kind of levels things out. You lose all three of those games and, you know, two of them, you get your doors blown off. You know, and the third one was the bowl game and you spotted them three touchdowns. So it looked like doors were getting blown off until you figured something out. So it was it was not good um, in the back half of that season uh, of the uh of the schedule and everything. And, you know, you, you're able to cover a lot of things throughout the middle of the season, just because Derek King is Derek King. And it came down to the fact that we had Derek King and our opponent didn't, you know? So if you look at that Pittsburgh game, that's a tight game. You hit uh Mike, sorry, Mark Pope on a slant. That's a winner. You had the Virginia game. That's a dog fight. You have uh, at North Carolina state. That was a high scoring dog fight. Then you have at Virginia tech where we're losing the whole game, get a field goal at the end to pull out uh, victory from the hands of defeat. You know, so there was some tightly contested games, but you find a way over those hurdles. Uh, And then you have the, the mirage, the false sense of security that was the blowout of Duke, because again, Duke was just abjectly terrible. Um, And then any team who had similar kind of talent, beat us and two of the three beat us pretty badly there was no way that you were going to be able to bring Blake Baker back as a hundred percent defensive coordinator play caller installer the head of the defense in that way that was not going to be able to happen after that Carolina game you back that up with the bowl game which started out that way and then you know people are talking about oh man he took back the sticks on defense during that game and then things got righted you just couldn't have that anymore so yeah he does keep his job quote unquote as a defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, but you know, Manny's going to be back on the sticks. He's already said that he's calling defensive plays on game day and it's the same defense or a similar scheme between what uh, Manny Diaz runs and what Blake Baker runs because Blake Baker succeeded Manny Diaz when he left Louisiana tech for Mississippi state before he came here. So they run the same version of different defense, but you, it's, it's a very different team when Manny Diaz is there. So, you know, you have these gourmet ingredients, but you have an amateur chef who's barely been in the kitchen versus your Bobby Flay, Wolfgang Puck, Iron Chef, whomever. (laughs) Those same ingredients come to life in a different way. And I need that gourmet stuff again, because, you know, this, you know, college ramen noodles with some boiled hot dogs and ketchup that we've been getting ain't cutting it. I'm just, I'm laughing sitting here, trying to compare Manny Diaz to Guy Fieri in my head, but hey, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, Welcome to Flavortown. <laughs> yeah, Flavortown, the Miami Hurricanes. Um, Cam, I do want to like take a, a slight step back, and I think it's interesting the way that you kind of sorted the games a little bit of, you know, games against teams that had comparable or more talent and teams that did not. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I took a step back, and if you look at this season, I feel like I almost – feel like you you could kind of treat this as like a Rorschach test. Like you can look at this season and the results and the record and the ranking and all that. And you can kind of make of it what you want. You can say, well, they went eight and three and they played in a big bowl game. And that that was a good year. Or you could say they got blown the hell out by Clemson. They got blown the hell out by North Carolina. Like, you know, lost the quarterback. They had a bunch of close, close wins that should have been a lot, you know, a lot more emphatic. Like, there, there's you can take this and look at it as any in any way that you want. I, and so my question to you is, I guess if you had to take two or three words to describe this season and kind of what what you feel about it or, or you know your overall take on it, I mean, what would you go with? Underwhelming. Um, it has to be the word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, look, when you redid the schedule, 
I know that we hoped for different, but you're penciling in Clemson as a loss, <laughs> you know. Um, and even if you would have thought going in that Carolina would have been a loss, it shouldn't have looked like that. Mm-hmm. That's not a 40 point loss or 36, you know, whatever, you know, that's a, you know, a six, five, six touchdown result. You know, <clears throat> we're making fun of Florida state by blowing their doors up by six touchdowns and Carolina did that to us, you know? So that really the way that that loss was even more than it being a loss that really sours things for me. Yeah. Because if it was like, if it was the reverse of the Virginia tech game, where it's hardly fought, hardly contested all the way through, but we come up, you know, two, three, five points short. That's one thing. That, where they're still running on us, Javante Williams and Michael Carter are still just running and not even like a receiver got loose and he's behind the defense and the defensive back slipped and he's just, you know, there's nobody out there. No, no, like over, around, and through our faces. It was that Marshawn Lynch run through a mother face. <laughs> It was. I mean, that's what they did yeah. all day long. You know, bad and angles, that, bad tackling. It was a mess. But and the thing was, good angles were there, but they had heart and we didn't. And they like on, they just honestly, it was. I promise you, it was that Marshawn Lynch. They ran through our mother effing faces all day, and we weren't ready for it. And you saw that out there. Even big hitters, even on that one long run, you got Amari Carter, who will routinely. And has routinely gotten targeting calls. He hits whatever he whatever he hits, he destroys. He's a Mack truck out there, number five in the secondary. He will come down, and I mean, he will baptize somebody in a bad, nasty way <laughs> and then get kicked out of the game. He comes downhill against those Carolina running backs, and they shrug him off like I'm running around my eight-year-old niece. <laughs> Boom, flying over here and everything like that. It would, But that's what your most physical guy on defense from that third level coming downhill and he goes in for a kill shot and he gets chucked off like it's um greg jones throwing dexter reed from carolina up the sideline that one time from florida state he got thrown like that and that's our biggest baddest hitter in the secondary that was emblematic of everything for me and when you have that kind of thing when you have that little resistance it it changes it so it's disappointing for me and you know, before the year, I know people were upset, but I just said, I'm not going to be fooled. Uh, you know, so before the original schedule with 12 games, I said seven and five and proved me wrong. And then came back and pretty much the same thing here. But then you were going in a positive direction. And then the games that really are where the rubber met the road this year, your tires are bald and you, you skid it off the side of the mountain and, you, and you, you know, everything like that. It just didn't. Yeah, it, it didn't meet muster. It didn't finish the way that it could or should have. It leaves me wanting more because of who we had, what we had, and the schedule that was in front of us. Um, so, yeah, disappointing for me. And I <clears throat> had this argument with somebody on Twitter. and said, okay, well, you know, Miami ended up ranked, you know, in the top 25. I said, okay, well, you know, it's Manny Diaz's second year as coach. If we're ranked again at the end of next year, then, you know, we bring them back, we keep it rolling. And I said, look, if you take this season with the results and everything that happened again next year, is that good enough for you? Because what I saw, especially at the end of the season, that's not good enough for me. 
But if you want to just talk about, you know, it's been since 16 and 17 that Miami ended consecutive years ranked in the AP poll. That means you're going to copy and paste what happened this year and the results and the rankings to next year. And that's sufficient for you. That's not sufficient for me. I want to vibrate higher. I have higher goals and aspirations. You know, so is it a step in the right direction? Yes, but like 22nd with three losses and including losses of the kind that we saw to Clemson and uh, Carolina specifically. No, that's not going to be good enough. So I don't know uh, where the movement's going to come. I don't know if we're going to talk about, um, you know, next year's schedule or whatever, but um, that's the short story long to say that my word for the Miami Hurricanes for 2020 is disappointing. How's the fan base overall feel about Manny Diaz? You know, it's right uh, it's divided a little bit. Yeah. Um, most of us are glad that he has at least tried to make the changes necessary to move forward authentically. So you got rid of uh, Dan Enos after one year. Whoop, okay, got, no, no, no. Thought we were getting something different. Thought we were getting the Alabama system. You didn't bring that. Nah, it, it was terrible. Bye. Bring in Rhett Lashley. Offense takes steps forward. Obviously, have Derek King, you know, being a big part of that because he comes in because of Rhett Lashley. Awesome. This year, defense, like I said, at the end of the year, record setting in a bad way. Cool. Blake Baker, you can still work here and everything. I'm taking back the six. I'm calling defense on game days because our defense was top 10, top five in America when Mangiaz was the coordinator of it. So at least he's making moves along that path. You, if you, uh, you know, you go out, a little bit further, Ephraim Bonda, the co-defensive uh, coordinator and safeties coach, he's gone. He's now the defensive coordinator at Utah State. Uh, he takes a couple of uh, analysts with him and everything. So you bring in Travaris Robinson, T-Rob, who's been a defensive backs coach and uh, coordinator and things with Muschamp uh, for many years in many places. So he's coming to Miami to coach defensive backs. You bring back Jess Simpson, uh, who – is a legendary high school coach from Loganville Grayson. He coached uh, at Georgia Southern for a year. He coached at Miami for a year where we had one of the best, if not the best defensive line in America. He was been an assistant with the Atlanta Falcons before. So he's coming back. Uh, he was and Clemson a for a minute. Win. Was he? Maybe. I don't know. I'm, don't I'm from like 20 so. minutes away from Grayson. I, I want to say he was with Clemson, but I might be wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was at Clemson. I think I would remember that, but if he was awesome, uh, but he comes back as defensive line coach, Todd Stroud, the former offensive line or defensive line coach, he uh, shuffles off the field into a senior analyst position. And then the one change that was kind of, we'll see if it could be the biggest change. Um, but you flip Demarcus Van Dyke, a former Miami Hurricanes player, four-star recruit uh, coming out of high school years ago, played in the NFL, got a cup of coffee up there. He flips from a, a lead recruiting assistant, like off-field position, and now he's the uh, the cornerbacks coach, so he can be the lead recruiter actually going out in you know to the community to these kids' houses, you know when outside opens up and things like that. Uh, so he flips from the recru- recruiting department to on-field coaching, and then you take Mike Rumpf from on-field coaching into the recruiting role. Uh, so they literally swap jobs. Uh, It'll be interesting because Miami has been notorious for missing out on the elite level cornerback and defensive back, well, cornerback talent specifically uh, from this area recently. And a lot of that has been under Mike Rump's role. Watch, including no more, no less than one, two, three, four guys from American Heritage High School where Mike Rump was previously the head coach. Uh, And that's 
to me, that's just damning. It is, you know, you look at all these guys, uh, you know, your Tyreek Stevenson's of the world who tra- who went to Georgia, but now he, he transferred uh, to Miami. You have your Tyson Campbell, who's at Georgia, Pat Sertan, Josh Job, uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, all these elite level corn, Travars McFadden five-star who went to uh, uh, Florida state previously, all these guys played for, or were around that program when Mike Rump was the head coach. He's now the cornerbacks coach at Miami. You can't get any of them. That's a damning stat for me, but he's in the recruiting department now. And we, I keep hearing about Mike Rump being this dog recruiter. Uh, maybe if he's only in the recruiting role, uh, he can have more of an impact. Uh, but behind the scenes, Demarcus Van Dyke has really been an impactful uh, recruiter. So we'll see if he uh, he can have that kind of impact. So those things, those changes on the defensive coaching staff, um, hopefully will go to address some of the issues of uh, player acquisition or talent acquisition and development, um, and then just raise the, the floor uh, for what they're doing and then just get things back going the way they need to on game days. Because uh, obviously, like I said, throughout the course of the season, especially at the end of the year, uh, it didn't meet the uh, meet the standard for performance. Mike, let's talk about home field apparel for a second. Yep. It is the Internet's leading producer, provider of officially licensed, comfortable, durable, great-looking vintage apparel coming from, from a lot of schools around the ACC. I love my home field apparel. How about you? I was going to say, as a guy who has purchased home field apparel and is a I like to consider myself a designee of the company, you mm-hmm. know, doing this podcast, right? I, I feel like we have earned that role at this point. You should not be buying your collegiate apparel from anywhere other than Homefield. I yep. mean, Homefield yep. is all over everywhere right now. We've been fortunate enough to get in with them, you know, middle of last fall, which was awesome, right in the middle of football season. They were pumping out, you know, their big new Saturday series and dropping all these new shirts and sweatshirts. Now they're dropping sweatpants for UConn, which is hysterical. Joggers. I mean, they got joggers. joggers. I mean, they got clothes everywhere for a lot of schools. New schools are being dropped, it feels like, every week. Um, they are going to take over the college apparel space. Um, they, they are un- doing unbelievable work. They're great people. It's awesome that we were able to get in and, and partner with them. They were real receptive. I mean, we had a we had a good talk with them on our initial kickoff call. It lasted like 25, 30 minutes. And just like that, we had a sponsor. Um, They were awesome. And it it doesn't extend to just us and everything that you guys buy from Homefield Apparel with this promo code not only helps us, but helps them. They're awesome people. We want to make sure they sell as much as they can and make as much money as they can because they've been so good to us. So, Joey, what promo code do they use to check out? Uh, That would be GoACC. Use that promo at checkout. That's out. right. 20% off your first order. And by the way, Mike, I've, I've found... We keep saying that they use that promo code to get that deal on their first order. And you might be thinking, well, if I've got another order after that, then I'm just paying full price. Which, A, yes, that's not a bad thing, though. Really good, really good quality stuff. You're going to want more after you make your first order. But right. second of all... You will get a notification asking for a review of the products that you uh, that you purchase and, and start wearing. And if you give mm-hmm. that review... I hear there's another little discount coming your way as well. So you get another promo code. It's, it's something that they, they uh, want to keep your business and you're going to want to keep giving it to them. Yeah, so do the promo code for us, right? So that we get credit and then do a promo code for yourself too so you get another nice little discount. So it's not just how can I help Joey and Mike make money today. It's how can I make sure that I'm not spending too much on this awesome new college apparel. It's worth it. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't gotten any of these you know clothing items yet from them, you're missing out. 
you, yep. you really yeah. are missing out. And like Joey said, most ACC schools are on there at this point. Um, most schools across the FBS are on there at this point. They're working really hard to make sure that all schools are represented. I know that's their goal. You know, for some schools, it's easier than others. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, cough, cough. Could tell you something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go check out homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code GOACC at checkout. Like Joey mentioned, 20% off your first order. Yep. T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, crew necks, all sorts of things. And, and as you joggers? mentioned, like, even the, yeah, the occasional pair of doggers, um, joggers. You know, those things are, are all available there. So once again, homefieldapparel.com, use promo code GOACC at checkout for 20% off your first order. Really appreciate their support. Really appreciate your support. Thanks to everybody. Cam, it's interesting you mentioned like misses on recruits. One of the things that, that we kind of noticed and that, I, you know, you and I went back and forth on Twitter a little bit about at one point, it kind of became apparent late in the year that if you look at like the eight best players on Miami's team and you can start listing them off, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Derek King, you know, Bubba Bolden, whatever, like all those guys that I just mentioned are all transfers. Like they all transferred from somewhere else. And obviously we're at a point in time in college football where it, it's becoming easier to transfer. They're, they're very close to instu- instituting a free one-time transfer. Uh, the transfer portal obviously has made a lot more accessible. I guess my question to you is, you know, building a program on transfers has historically not been a super reliable, consistently successful kind of strategy, like much of anywhere. Is there any like – does that register at all with, with Miami fans at all? Or is there any concern about that? Or does it seem like, again, I mean, you mentioned that you're getting Tyreek Stevenson. Like, it seems like you're bringing in some guys still that are in- injecting more talent. So I don't I mean, I mean, is that a concern at all? Or, or am I making something out of nothing? It, it is a concern because you have to bring in all these transfers because your player development is not where it needs to be. Um, so it's not a... I don't know how do how do I put it? it's not like a uh, a program fail like system failure everything's going to shut down kind of concern but it is like a squeaky wheel kind of hey we could just maybe look at that or you know whatever um, so of course I mean yeah quarterback transferring is the thing that is rampant and then getting Derek King as a grad transfer where he would have been uh, you know immediately eligible anyway that's great. Jalen Phillips, that was a traditional transfer. He transferred here two years ago. So he sat out 2019 as like a regular transfer. You get Quincy Roche as a grad transfer, and we've had others. And honestly, it's it's been about almost 50-50 on the hits and misses. And there, there were more than I remember missing on. But like Tommy Kennedy from Butler was a FCS All-American. He came here. I don't think he clocked a meaningful snap. Dee Delaney coming from the Citadel. You know, he played a year here and was okay, but he wasn't super spectacular. Uh, You know, Asa Martin running back, four-star recruit from Auburn came here. And then whatever happened with him happened. And he, you know, left before the spring and never played a snap at all here. Um, But yeah, you know, Miami – and I think that all teams are really looking at this because Miami's had such well, and sorry, I can't talk about transfers, but I don't talk about Jose Borregales, yeah. like the, you know, Groza award winning kicker, like the first Miami hurricane ever to win the award for the best kicker in America, you know, and that if you can't beat him, get him to transfer in. Honestly. Yeah. He beat us at FIU. And then he comes cross down and plays <laughs> for the flagship program, you know, and wins the award. But like, honestly, like, but that change transformed our kicking situation from literally the worst in America the previous year to the best in America this last year. So 
when you have transformational guys like that, you're going to want to add those to the roster. They should be, you know, the, the special addition, you know, they should be the sprinkle of caviar on top of that gourmet meal I'm talking about. You know, it shouldn't be, okay, the, this is the meat and potatoes and salad and, you know, soup. And like that, those should not be all of the transfers. Um, but it's almost getting that way because if you're talking about who's, who are the top players on this team, probably the guys who left or, you know, so you have Jalen Phillips, he's going to be a first round draft pick. He's gone. Uh, Quincy Roche, probably maybe a two or a three, but you know, solid player, very, very solid player, uh, honorable mention, all a 13 on ACC. He's gone because he was a fifth year senior, whatever. Brevin Jordan, best tight end in America. He leaves after three years, battling some injuries and things like that. He's going to be a, probably a top two round draft pick in the NFL. He leaves outside of those three guys. So that's two transfers and then a, a natural recruit and develop player. Then you have Derek King. He's a guy who transferred in. You have Jose Borregales. He's a guy who transferred in. So four of your top five right there are transfers, you know, um, and that's really where things are different because at your top, top teams, they will add a transfer here and there. And that might be one of their top five or seven at Miami. Like I said, that's four of your top five. And then Bubba Bolden, if you want to add him somewhere in there. So you probably got six of your top eight were transfers from somewhere else previously. That's where things get to be a little wonky. So it really is. And the thing, Miami has awesome talent acquisition. If you look at our recruiting rankings, if you look at the guys that we're getting to come to this team, we're beating the, the who's who of college football to get a lot of these dudes. We're going to have probably a 55, 57% blue chip ratio after this last class it was at 70% blue chips, you know, and then you're going to transfer in um, a Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma, who was a four-star, a Tyreek Stevenson from Georgia, who was a four-star uh, guy coming in here and everything like that. You add those kind of talent and everything, but the kids that were recruiting are of the caliber that Miami wants, and you're battling everybody in America to get them here. But the gap is between their potential as recruits and their performance and development as college players, and that gap ha has to close. You have to start getting more of these guys to be a la Brevin Jordan who come in with all this recruiting fanfare and play to that level and continue to get better as opposed to these other guys who come in with this recruiting fanfare and do nothing and ride the bench for years or transfer out. Yep. While we're on the topic of the transfer portal, what's the deal with Nikosi Perry? He's apparently back after, I mean, I know he was in the portal and then he withdrew his name reportedly. What's what's the deal with him? I know you're into Cozy Perry, truth or can my guy. Cozy's been my guy ever since his junior high school, man. Like I'm a fan of that of that kid. Um, no matter where he goes, 100. percent That's my guy, uh, and everybody knows that. Uh, <clears throat> Nikosi is going to return to Miami to finish his degree, and then look to transfer somewhere else in the world of college football, where he can continue his studies and also. Uh, be either guaranteed or fight for or likely to win a uh, starting quarterback job for next football season. 
So uh, he's still in Miami, still in Coral Gables, still going to be around and everything, but uh, his future path is pointing elsewhere. Um, but, and like I said, I, wherever he goes, I'm going to be a fan. I'm going to watch those games. I'm going to DVR them. I'm going to, you know, whatever it is. Because uh, I, I think that still that kid has the, a world of potential. He has really great talent. I would love to see him go somewhere else and, and ball out. You know, you had Scott Patchen for his sixth year. He went to Colorado State and was first team all conference for them, uh, led the team in sacks, and he's coming back for a seventh year. And that's another guy who, like, I remember when he was a freshman and sophomore and I was going down there and interviewing those guys. That's another guy that I root for. Uh, but same like Nikosi. So, yeah, he's going to come back to Miami uh, and everything, but only to finish his degree. Already has the support of the staff in, uh, you know, trying to search for a place where he can find a new home and also hopefully for him uh, work his way into a starting job. So we all, you know, wish him the best and everything. But like I said, whether it's orange and green or any other color, Nikosi Perry is my guy. He's been my guy uh, for a long time, and I wish him the best. And then one more thing real quick on Perry. So his performance in the bowl game coming in cold off the bench and playing the way that he did. He was so good. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, that was unreal, right? I mean, that had to be probably his best performance of his career, or at least like top three. I'm sure you got games, you know, at front of mind that Joey and I don't, but that's got to be like a top three performance that I can remember from the time yeah. that he's played at Miami. I mean, it was like that. And then 2019, Team Florida State, um, where he led that comeback um, when they were up twenty-seven to seven, and then you know had that illegal double pass because they don't understand what lateral means in Tallahassee apparently, uh, <laughs> and then he led, led that uh, the, that that comeback, uh, and then there was also that Virginia Tech game last year, um, two thousand nineteen, uh, when he was going back and forth with Jaron Williams when he came in off the bench after we spotted Virginia Tech. Yeah, he uh, called out. Yeah, that 28-point lead uh, after one play into the second quarter. and everything. But, like, yeah, but that's the list. You know what I mean? So, yeah, this was a top three performance. And then based upon that, you could probably say it, it, it's those three games in some order. The Florida State game in 19, Virginia Tech in 20, and then the bowl game coming off the bench against Oklahoma State. And, uh, sorry, Florida State 18. Yeah, Florida State 18, uh, Virginia Tech 19, and then the bowl game to close out the 2020 season. Um, and yeah, it was just, it did my heart good personally, you know, like obviously you don't want to see anybody get injured. I'd never root for injuries, even if it's a team that I hate and you see Derek King go down in a mostly non-contact way. And then, you know, you're thinking, Oh, it's going to be bad. And you, okay. You hear, okay. It was an ACL and everything. And like, I would not ever sit here and say, I wanted to see somebody get injured. But after that injury, if we're moving forward, like we do, and we put in another guy to play, you put in Kosi, and he does what he did, man. You know, it wasn't perfect. Yeah, he threw an interception and everything. And that's the thing, you know, if, you know, if I root for a guy or somebody roots for a guy, you're like, oh, well, he has to be perfect. No one's perfect. But he did an awesome job. You know, yeah, we came up a little bit short, but, you know, he also wasn't out there blocking and tackling your own defense or anything like that. Uh, but, no, he came out and he was ready when his number was called. And you always want that from your backup quarterback. And, again, this is a guy who has the talent to play at Miami. Uh, and then he showcased that he hit some throws. He had some run reads that were great. Uh, you know, he did what he needed to do. And uh, like I said, for me, it was just great to see it. Everybody's hyping. Oh my God, Cam, you know, Cody, yeah, yeah. y'all already know. I was watching. I was a smile on my face, you know, like it was, it was really great to see. And, you know, hopefully whoever's the backup quarterback, Next year, probably going to be Tyler Van Dyke, a redshirt freshman. Uh, you hope that they can have that same kind of performance if they're called into duty uh, and then just continue to develop. So 
you know, it both cemented the fact in my mind that if Kosey had been in a similar offense to this his entire career, as opposed to having three offensive coordinators, his career or four offensive coordinators, his career could have gone differently in Miami. Uh, but also, you know, I'm not crazy for saying I have seen what I've seen from him over the course of years to lead me to believe that he has starting caliber talent at a big time power five FBS program. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it was, it was awesome to see, uh, you know, and that should also be on the short list of highlights with those other two games for when he's looking for this new program and saying, Hey bro, this wasn't even my team. This wasn't even my offense, but they brought me in and you see what I can do. So now if you're running a spread or you're running something like this, I won't even be the oh and this other guy guy. You can build something around me. And these are the things that I can do as the foundation for our team moving forward. So if I were, you know, in charge of the the hype train, if I were in charge of the uh, social media marketing for Nicole Perry moving on somewhere else. And you might be. I might be. <laughs> and I might have to cut up this film and they might they might pull this off of here. But that's what I would start with and just say, hey, again, this is what I did with something that was designed for somebody else. Imagine if you infuse this and other things that are designed specifically for me, what I can bring and add to your program, to our program moving forward as the face of your team, the starting quarterback for next year, as we aspire to approach and achieve greatness. Cam, just real quick, you know, he he does leave a, what we'll call a little bit of a void in the backup quarterback spot, at least, you know, moving into next season. We, we saw the injury to De'Eric King. We know it's an ACL tear. My understanding is that they're hoping he's going to be ready to start next season. I don't know yes. if you have a status update on that. And then the other part of the question is, okay, so if not him, is there a, an obvious backup plan? I think he kind of already started to answer it. But more importantly, why should it be Tathan Martell? Ah! Wow. <laughs> I forget that you guys love Tathan. Um, you do not love Tathan. <laughs> um, Derek King has posted some uh, like videos to social media of him uh, beginning his rehab process of, of, you know, moving his leg and starting the, you know, knee bending uh, process because you got to get to that, uh, you know, that, that range of motion back and everything. So um, he's along the path already, but I mean, he had surgery this calendar year um, and we open September the 4th against Alabama. So that is 200 something days away and that's quick. So the hope is that he will be uh, for fall camp, at least limited or back. I mean, spring, spring football's out. That's not going to happen for Derek King. Uh, but the goal is hopefully to have him at least uh, limited at the beginning of uh, fall camp, uh, expanding that role through then, and then being able to play in the opener. If that does not come to fruition, I've already mentioned Tyler Van Dyke, uh, four-star recruit from Suffield Academy in Suffield, Connecticut, um, led this team to an undefeated state championship season in his uh, senior year. His junior year, he was the baseball pitcher of the year for his uh, conference with like an under one ERA because, you know, he's on the mound. He's 6'4", 230. You know, he's dotting the corner at 93 miles an hour because he's a cannon. Um, the first play of his junior highlights, he stands at about the 12-yard line and flicks his wrist and the ball goes 60, 65 yards. Um and so he has an absolute cannon for an arm, uh, which is great. Uh, he can move a little bit better than you think, uh, but he did not necessarily play the highest caliber of uh, competition in uh, his 
Connecticut league and anything, but he's been at Miami for a year. He's definitely a guy who has talent to be in the conversation. And as of right now, he would have to stand as uh, the guy who, when we open spring ball, you know, he's going to take the first snap with the first team defense or first team offense uh, with dear King out. And then Nikosi Perry, you know, being just a student, not an athlete anymore at Miami. So it'd be Tyler Van Dyke. And then you bring in Jake Garcia, who's a four-star recruit. He was the number five pro passer in this uh, recruiting class. Kid has moved around uh, from South uh, South California to three or four different schools. And then he transferred across country to Valdosta, Georgia, was ruled ineligible. And then he moved up to Loganville Grayson and magically was eligible and nothing changed. It was kind of crazy. Uh, and then led them to a state championship. But he's another kid uh, who's a very polished passer. Uh, he's played some of the highest caliber competition uh, that you can play anywhere in America in high school uh, and also has a cannon for an arm. So he's a guy who's going to start, you know, towards the bottom of the depth chart, obviously being an early enrollee, uh, but work his way up. Apart from that, uh, we have your guy, Tathan, uh, Tate Martell, uh, back on the roster. Uh, he le- took a leave of absence or left the team or whatever, opted out from the last season, and he's back. Um, I would love it if we found a way for him to play something other than quarterback because <laughs> any position, any any snap that you give to him, you're taking the ball out of De'Eric King's hands, and I don't want to sign up for that. I don't really care who it is. You know what I mean? I don't want to see much wildcat. I don't want to see much of anything because if we have De'Eric King and he's healthy and he's eligible – I want the ball going to him to start every play. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, it's not crazy that I want the ball to go to our best player. All right. So, you don't want to run the wild Martell then? I do not. And it's nothing against even Tate, really. But we have one of the five best quarterbacks in college football. Give that guy the ball all the time. Like, I, it's not rocket science or astrophysics. Um, the other guy who's in the quarterback room is Peyton Matoka, uh, who was the Houston. Wait, it's like the 1A private school co-player of the year a couple years ago. So he's basically playing, you know, JV football. I mean, it was not really great competition. He did put up numbers, uh, so he does have talent a little bit above that. But, I mean, he was playing, yeah, not great competition. Uh, Matoka is going to be a, a program player here. He's going to be like your, uh, like Evan Sheriffs, if you're a Miami fan from a couple years ago guy who will be here for, you know, four years, maybe transfer somewhere else as a fifth year uh, to try to get a little bit of uh, playing time or something. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. And I mean, look, I don't have any personal qualms with any player on the roster. But if Peyton Matoka is playing meaningful snaps at the University of Miami at quarterback, something went terribly wrong <laughs> because I've already given you four other names, right? In addition to De'Aaron King, well, yeah, well, sorry, with the Air King. I'm giving you four other names of guys who could take snaps. So if you're down to Peyton Matoka take, taking meaningful snaps, something's gone horribly, terribly wrong, and I really hope not. <laughs> Do you think Rhett Lashley lasts beyond next season as Miami's offensive coordinator? And I want to ask that, obviously, in the context of, like, obviously he's not getting fired, but do you think yeah. he could take a job elsewhere at the end of next season with the with, uh, Air King out the door? Ooh. Uh, if you're a betting man, I would put, um, does Rhett Lashley stay after next year? I would put no as the minus 350 favorite. Yeah. You know, like I, I feel just, that way too. I mean, uh, the, the steps that were taken with this offense, uh, you know, just showcasing, you know, what we can do, even though we nitpick sometimes because like, that's what we do. But 
another year continuity, another year with De'Aaron King, hopefully healthy, another year with just, you know, more and better offensive skill talent, you know, hopefully developing this offensive line further and things like that, uh, where you can really showcase some things. Because when he got into his bag and he was able to dial some things up, Joey, against your beloved Louisville Cardinals, man, you had back-to-back 75-yard touchdown plays, like one play drive, 12 seconds, you know, one was a run, one was a fake QB power. You slip out Jalen Knight and the freshman, blip, over the top, bang. I mean, so he – and he did that against multiple teams. When he really uh, had time to study and found that one thing to exploit, he would exploit it. Um, and now with a baseline for what our offense is going to look like and hopefully build upon that with the familiarity with the players and their familiarity with the offense and things like that, going and taking the level up even further – I think it's just going to continue to showcase Rhett Lashley. Again, he was a Broyles Award semifinalist for the best uh, assistant in college this year. Uh, and again, you're at a name brand program that's going to have you know more visibility and exposure than most and continue to do a good job because, I mean, we've really not seen years where Rhett Lashley's offenses have slid backwards. So you're going to continue to stay at that level or progress. So I would say, like I said, yeah, the for, D, uh, for uh, Rhett Lashley leaving after this year, uh, or would he stay? I would say no would be a minus 350, 400 favorite. Like I would be very shocked, quite honestly, if we, you know, if we were uh, doing this recording again in a year, so it's January of 2022, heading into that season, and we're talking about Rhett Lashley still being around, I will be really shocked and flabbergasted if that's the case. Rewatching that that game against Louisville and watching those, those two 75-yard touchdown plays, it was... A little bit maddening too, as a Louisville fan, where their defense just like on one of them just completely just forgot to cover Jalen Knighton, and on the other one just completely lost contain on the on the outside, and yeah, just like that, just out the back door and gone. Um, so yeah, well, I, and the, the thing about it was, it wasn't even just like a missed assignment. We like found a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, We're like if we motion this way. They're going to do this, and this defender on the edge is going to have this responsibility. And if we zag where he thinks we're going to zig, you know, like it was, it was like literally like the perfect look for the perfect call. On like it was, it, it really was. And I get like on the other side, it would be maddening because again, we already talked about the Carolina game. Like, yeah, I get it, you know, on the <laughs> other there. side. But well, yeah, no, been there. But it was really like we looked at what you did what your responsibilities were, how you're going to combat this. And we're like, we can misdirect them into the perfect look on the backside for this other thing. And again, if you're not aware, if you don't know these things, if you don't see, okay, we're motioning this guy across and then you're going to bring down this other safety and you're going to motion that guy across. And then that's actually going to leave the short side of the field open. If you're not, because we ran that motion three times in the first half. So it was kind of like a boxer. I'm going to loop this, whatever, you know, my my jab or my cross. I'm going to throw this out here and try to time you up. And then I'm going to click, you know, I'm going to catch you with this uppercut, with this right cross, whatever it is. But I'm, I'm throwing this thing out here to see what you're going to do and see how you react to set you up for later. We did that in the first half. Went in halftime. Okay, close. Came out and said, bang, we're going to hit him with that haymaker because we've already been looking at that. But again, 
if you're not in the moment, if you're not aware, if you don't have that kind of acuity, you're not going to see that. And when Dan Enos was the uh, offensive coordinator, we didn't have anything that we could throw out there to test somebody to try to find that weakness. But even that right there, you see the level increasing between Enos to Lashley. And then hopefully that will continue in this year, you know, which again, I believe to be, will probably be Rhett Lashley's last year here, unless something crazy happens. Cam, last question. And take this, take this and do with it what you want. Miami, the program gets better at one thing this off season. It could be strength and conditioning. It could be game planning. It could be play calling. It could be tackling. You know, any any level of the program, they get better at one thing this off season. What's the biggest thing they need to get better at going into next year? Oof. There's so many. <laughs> nah, bro, you're 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 not a Virginia Tech alum. <laughs> this. No, I mean. Bro, but, again, it ain't, it ain't that many. but with within reason, like I know that, okay, yeah. there's not like, all right, this is where you line up level of, uh, you know, thing. But again, if I'm looking at where we are to where we want to be, there's multiple things. Uh, so I know you asked me for one, but I'm going to give you three. I'm going to give you number one, returning to solid tackling all of the time, because that's just a thing that needs to happen. And even in these blowout or these high scoring games like that North Carolina state game and things like that, the tackling was mostly sound. The coverage was maybe a little bit messy for a while or whatever there. Uh, but yeah, the kind of missed tackling that we saw um, a couple of times against Clemson, but then you have ETN who's just insane and you know, whatever. So you miss a little bit of a tackle there and he's going to take it a distance, which he did. Uh, obviously all of the missed tackles, all 18 million of them from North Carolina, uh, and then there were a few in the bowl game as well. So that's one thing that needs to get better. Number two, it needs to get better is the offensive line, just because when the offensive line is better then the offense has the ability to be multiple and better. Um, so protecting the quarterback, not having him need to be Houdini uh, to step out of sacks and things to create plays. Now, I mean, look, I'm not going to say Derek King or whomever the quarterback can never move and can never do those things, but having that be a foundational part of just normal general offensive operation, that needs to change. So hopefully the offensive line will help out with that. And then that will have ancillary, you know, uh, impact because it'll help the passing game because there's protection. That'll help the running game because there's both movement and holes uh, for the running backs to choose from. So those are two things. Number three, and this is going to sound trite, but it's the God's honest truth. Needed to catch the damn ball. (laughs) Because two of our starting wide receivers, Mark Pope and D Wiggins had the highest drop rates at 16 and a half and 18.8 of any starting wide receivers in power five respectively. So you're dropping one out of six and one out of uh, five and a half balls that are thrown your way dropping. So not even like, Oh, it's a good play. And the defenders there, you're wide open ball hits you in the hands in the middle of your single digit number and you drop it. That is unacceptable. Uh, Mike Harley had a couple dropsies, but then after we opened up the wide receiver competition, then, you know, he actually bossed up and had a really good season. Um, And he's coming back for his fifth year. Um, Mike Harley is. So that's a great addition. 
you add in a Charleston Rambo, you have Elijah Arroyo as a freshman tight end recruit. You have Will Mallory back for another season. So he's here. You have a uh, Dominic Mamorelli or a Larry Hodges at uh, tight end. And you have a bunch of other wide receivers. They're fresh uh, incoming freshmen, redshirt freshmen or sophomores and redshirt sophomores or juniors. So there's another, you know, 10 guys, but between all of the pass catchers, and I mean, I'm mainly talking about wide receivers and tight ends. The running backs really didn't drop many balls in the, you know, swing pass or slip screen or uh, running back screen games. They're, they seem to be fairly sure-handed, and I'm fine with that. But our wide receivers simply dropped too many passes. And if you look in the bowl game, Nicosi Perry's numbers could have been even really more striking had there been a couple of passes that were wide open down the field that were just thrown to the floor if uh, those had been caught. So you really got to find a way um, just to catch the ball. And whether that's staying with the jugs machine, whether that's focus and concentration all the way through, look the ball in before you try to go upfield, whatever it is. But, you know, again, having guys with, you know, 16 and near 20% drop rates uh, as you're starting in your starting wide receivers group is simply unsustainable and unacceptable. So consistent tackling, offensive line play, and, people who are supposed to catch the ball, catching the ball, those would be my top three things to develop for this team. To again, like I said, I know that we're not a zero win team trying to get to one win, but if you're trying to cross that vanguard to get from eight and three to 11 and one or whatever, you got to tighten up all those areas. There cannot be these kind of gaps into our game uh, operations, our game performance and things like that. Uh, and those are really, I think the things that need to get better. Cam, thanks so much for joining us once again, buddy. Uh, you yeah, are a yeah. recurring guest. For those of for those of our listeners who are split zone duo fans, we consider you to be our Stephen Godfrey with how often you're on. So it's been a little while. We haven't had you on for probably two months, but yeah. uh, definitely since before the holidays, anyway. So we appreciate you uh, once again joining us. And tell everybody, Cam, where they can find your stuff. Now, I appreciate it. And anytime that uh, I'm favorably compared to the legend himself, Stephen Godfrey, that's a, a humbling experience for me. So I appreciate it. Um, I'm on Twitter all the time when I'm not the secret day job. My Twitter at is Underwood Sports. Uh, for State of the U, we're there 24-7, 365, talking about Miami Hurricanes athletics. Uh, right now, we're uh, men's and women's basketball and gearing up for baseball, um, as well as recruiting because recruiting never sleeps and football also as well. Uh, so that is state of the U.com at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at the state of the U. Uh, so you can find me in any of those places uh, pretty frequently. Do bear in mind on the Underwood Sports uh, account, I do talk about other kinds of sports like the challenge on MTV or Below Deck Med or things like that. So, uh, you know, I, and video games, of course, video games. I got to get back into my road to the show, uh, you know, and things like that. So, you know, uh, I like to have some fun on there and, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys, you know, following and everything. It's always a, a great day when I get to talk to my good friends, Joey and Mike and everything. So, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. Hope that, you know, somebody will go follow uh, some of the other stuff that we do and hopefully you'll like it. Cam, you're the man. Appreciate it, brother. Be well. And we'll, we'll talk to you again here soon, man. All right, guys, I'll talk to you. All right, Mike, that was Cam tumultuous season indeed for Miami, but a uh, you know seems like a pretty positive outlook going into next season. I think, as far as I could gather, I don't know. You know, I, I think Cam was a little bit underwhelmed. It sounded like. I mean, yep. he said it was you know a bit up and down, which I think was a fair assessment given what we saw. 
I'm very curious how the Manny Diaz calling the plays on defense will look with him as the head coach. Uh, it can't be any worse than Blake Baker at times last year, uh, yeah. this past yeah. season. So uh, that'll be interesting. And then D.R. King's health will be something to monitor. And then, you know, who's going to be the next coordinator after Rhett Lashley? Because I think it's pretty clear that neither one of us expect Lashley back, you know, beyond next season and either does Cam because Lashley, of course, you know, having another year of De'Ara King and having another year of success, we perceive anyway, uh, it should be an opportunity for Lashley to go out and get a head coaching job somewhere uh, next coaching cycle. So uh, there are a lot of elements at work here. Uh, you know, the coaching staff changes are obviously fluid and, you know, having Rhett Lashley for another year is a bonus. Having De'Ara King for another year, assuming they comes back to full health, is a bonus. And it'll be interesting to see kind of the trajectory of the Miami program now with Manny Diaz calling the plays again on defense. Yeah, I could see Rhett Lashley, too, getting a like an OC job at, you know, a real blue blood program that, you know, could pay him a, a king's ransom to do that job, even if, if he weren't right. to get a head coaching job somewhere. So, yeah, I'm with you. And, and that, that also seems like that would be the uh, – the opportunistic moment for him to leave with Derek King then graduating and moving on is, you know, don't try to uh, start over with another, another quarterback moving forward. You know, you, you just right. don't know what you're going to get there. Yeah. Future um, Virginia tech head coach, Rhett Lashley. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't call tech a blue blood, but you got what I'm saying. You don't seem like you'd hate that either. Nope. I don't. <laughs> it can't. I mean, it's not going well right now with Fuente. So that's yeah. fair assessment. Fair assessment. I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded, Joey. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Mike, uh, this was fun. Again, go check him out again at Underwood Sports on Twitter, at the State of the U on Twitter, uh, stateoftheu.com on the internet. Um, all sorts of good Miami coverage, as you guys know. If you're not following him by now, I don't know why. Um, Cam's a great Twitter follow for all sorts of things, Miami football and very much otherwise. So go check him out if you have not. Mike, we're going to get out of here. We're going to try to uh, talk to some more people. So keep it tuned here. Uh, make sure that you, uh, you know, keep spending your off season with us because we got a lot of content coming your way here over the next few months. Uh, in we the do. meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FGRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Also at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram. Go find us there. Give us a follow. Much appreciated. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man: Basketball Conference Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And appreciate uh, I believe we got another one recently here from Lee Nobody. So we'll have to do a little uh, mailbag episode here sometime soon. Uh, yep. So appreciate that. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever find podcasts are sold for free, and especially on Anchor. Uh, appreciate those who have. And Mike, you want to tell them where else they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Go visit our friends at Home Field Apparel using the promo code GOACC at checkout. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please do. Uh, a lot of great, great material there at home field. They've always got new stuff coming out. So keep checking back. If, if your school isn't on there, if you're, uh, you know, hoping for something different from your school, go keep checking out there. There, there is all sorts of cool content there for ACC schools and otherwise. So uh, appreciate those who have Mike. I think that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? No, pretty successful recap. I think. Yeah, I think so. Good place to start here and uh, a good friend to start with. So thanks again to cam for his time. And, uh, yeah, we'll look to bring somebody else on and, and talk about another team here in the coming, coming days. Yep. All right. Well, Mike, until then, we're going we're gonna to get out of here, and then we'll, uh, we'll come back. 
I don't know. I'm kind of fumbling this this outro. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> Mike, we'll talk again soon. How about that? Yep. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Sounds good. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Nobody's